the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider at this halfway point of May. This week in the interview segment, I've prepared a special on Joseph Dutton, called Brother Joseph by St. Damien of Molokai and later by St. Marianne Cope. This layman came to the island of Molokai at the age of 44, and then for 44 more years worked with Father Damien and later Mother Marianne, caring for the victims of leprosy who had been exiled there by the King of Hawaii. At Mass in Honolulu's Cathedral on May 10th, the Memorial of St. Damien, Bishop Larry Silva formally opened the diocesan inquiry phase of the cause of canonization of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. Stay tuned for that great story after the news. And now the week's news highlights. Given the multitude of papal audiences, speeches, appeals, and messages this week, my summary of each story is very brief. By the way, in his meetings, Pope Francis continues to use the wheelchair to aid the healing process of his right knee. Sunday, May 8th, after praying the Regina Chaley, Pope Francis reiterated his appeal for peace in so many war-afflicted countries, asking all believers to pray that leaders be attuned to the wish of their suffering people who know that weapons do not bring peace. Spiritually kneeling before the Virgin, I entrust to her the ardent desire for peace of so many people who in various parts of the world suffer the senseless disaster of war. He also asked for prayers for the victims of an explosion that took place in Havana, Cuba. Monday, May 9th, Pope Francis invited college students and professors from the University of Macerata to look to the Macerata-born Jesuit missionary, Father Matteo Ricci, who dedicated his life to mission, dialogue, and education in China. He said Father Ricci was always ready to engage and educate. The University of Macerata on Italy's Adriatic coast in the Marche region was founded in 1290, making it one of the oldest European universities still operating. Also Monday, Pope Francis answered three questions put to him by Jesuit Father James Martin, whose pastoral ministry involves the LGBT community. Martin had written to the Pope in Spanish, asking him to answer some questions he's most commonly asked by LGBT Catholics and their families. Francis said all people should know that God is Father and does not disown any of his children. To those who have experienced rejection from the Church, I would have them recognize it not as the rejection of the Church, but instead of people in the Church. Tuesday, May 10th. The Vatican published a message from the Holy Father to Coptic Patriarch Tuadros II for the ninth day of friendship between Copts and Catholics. Also made public was Pope Francis's message for the Second World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly to take place on July 24th. Wednesday, May 11th, the Vatican reported that 90-year-old Cardinal Joseph Zen was arrested in Hong Kong by the police force set up to oversee national security. The former bishop of Hong Kong, he was charged with, quote, collusion with foreign forces in connection with his role as administrator of the 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund, but he was later released on bail. The Holy See is closely following developments in this situation. At the Wednesday general audience, Pope Francis continued his catechesis on old age, celebrating all the talents and charisms of the elderly. 
After the catechesis, the Pope met Kim Puk Panti, photographed nearly 50 years ago while fleeing from a napalm attack in Vietnam, as well as the photographer Nick Oot. Oot won a Pulitzer Prize for the iconic photo that showed Kim's desperation. She was only nine at the time. Running from the fire, her clothes burned off her body by the napalm. Francis also met two Ukrainian women whose husbands, holed up in the Ostroval steel plant, are fighting Russia's invasion. They called the brief moments with the Pope historic ones. Thursday, May 12th, the Vatican released Pope Francis's message for the 108th World Day of Migrants and Refugees to take place September 25th. He wrote that humanity must build its future with the help of people who have left their homes in search of a better life. Building the future with migrants and refugees means recognizing and valuing how much each one of them can contribute to the process of construction. Also Thursday, the Pope addressed participants at the second edition of the General State of Births meeting in Rome, underscoring how the issue of falling birth rates represents a real social emergency that is not immediately perceptible like other problems that occupy the news. Fewer children are being born, and this means impoverishing everyone's future. The beauty of a family full of children risks becoming a utopia, a dream that is difficult to realize. Francis bemoaned what he called the new poverty. Friday, May 13th, Our Lady of Fatima. The Holy See Press Office announced that, quote, accepting invitations from civil and ecclesiastical authorities and the indigenous communities, Pope Francis will make an apostolic journey to Canada from July 24th to the 30th, visiting Edmonton, Quebec, and Iqaluit. Full details in coming weeks. Also Friday, Pope Francis welcomed members of the Anglican-Roman Catholic International Dialogue Commission, established in 1967 by Pope Paul VI and by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey. He noted that during its work, the Commission has sought to leave behind what compromises our communion and to nurture the bonds that unite Catholics and Anglicans. He encouraged the Anglican Communion to contribute to the Catholic Church's synodal process. He said he looks to his pilgrimage of peace in South Sudan in July, accompanied by the Archbishop of Canterbury and the moderator of the Church of Scotland. Also Friday, Pope Francis sent a message to participants in a conference on the legacy of Pope John Paul I, saying his predecessor still offers a path to solving the challenges facing the Church today. The Pope said his predecessor was a wise and humble man who knew how to speak about God with evangelical simplicity. John Paul I bore witness to the Church, which shines not with her own light, but with a reflected light that comes not from men, but from God. Also Friday, Pope Francis, via Zoom, met with a group of university professors from across the American continents as the group launched a series of courses on ecological reform. The team of professors from Loyola University in Chicago and educators from various Latin American universities took part. They aimed to promote a university synodal process. And again on Friday, Pope Francis met with participants in a four-day international conference on moral theology organized by the Pontifical Gregorian University and the Pontifical John Paul II Theological Institute. Reflecting on how the family can open up new paths for reflection in the study of moral theology, he urged theologians to help turn the experience of family life and joy into an opportunity to enrich their field of study and the wider church. 
The family is the domestic church, where prayer and love intermingle with the concreteness of daily life to contribute to the growth of every family member. Those are the week's news highlights. But now, stay tuned for my special on Hawaii's Servant of God, Joseph Dutton. I was listening to EWTN, and you were on with one of your little snippets, and you said some words that brought me back to the church. I've been away for a long time. You don't know how much I appreciate those words, and I don't know why those particular words that day got to me. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to the interview segment of Vatican Insider. This week, I've prepared a special on Joseph Dutton, called Brother Joseph by St. Damien of Molokai and later by St. Marianne Cope. This layman came to the island of Molokai at the age of 44 and then for 44 more years worked alongside Damien and Marianne, caring for the victims of leprosy who had been exiled there by the King of Hawaii. Hawaii now has two saints. Will she soon have a third in Joseph Dutton? We learned about the progress in Dutton's cause for canonization on May 10th, when Bishop Larry Silva of Honolulu made a big announcement during a special Mass in the cathedral. He said May 10 is the memorial of St. Damien de Voister. At the end of Mass, there will be a short ceremony to formally open the diocesan inquiry phase of the cause of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. The members of the Joseph Dutton Guild are present, and the officials who will play various roles in the investigation of the cause will take their oaths of office. Now, several years ago, I was asked to become a member of that guild for the cause of canonization of Joseph Dutton. It's been a joy to work with the incredible members of this guild and to have reached such a high point as the May 10th Mass. Bishop Larry later added, it should be noted that beatification and canonization in the Catholic Church is a rigorous process, and there is no guarantee that the process will finally result in Joseph Dutton's beatification or canonization. Nevertheless, many of the faithful in the Diocese of Honolulu and other parts of the world have spoken favorably and are hopeful that Joseph Dutton's holiness of life will be deemed by the Church to be worthy of public veneration and imitation. Please pray that the Holy Spirit will guide this process to its completion according to the will of God and for the good of His Holy Church. So now, stay tuned to my report on Servant of God, Joseph Dutton. I think you all know my love, my passion actually, for the magnificent land that is our 50th state, Hawaii. I've developed a true Hawaiian ohana, a family, on my 10 trips to this paradise, and we all have one thing in common, our love for Hawaii's two saints, Father Damien and Mother Marianne Cope, and our hopes for a possible third saint. 
Starting in 2008 on my first visit to Hawaii, I've spent years researching the lives and works of Saints Damien and Marianne, including covering their canonizations in Rome, respectively 2009 and 2012. And Hawaii may well have a third saint, Brother Joseph Dutton. He was not a religious brother, but rather received that name from Father Damien, who told Joseph one day as they worked together on Kalopapa, You are like a brother to everyone here, and that's what I'll call you, Brother Joseph. Born Ira Dutton, he took the name Joseph when he became a Catholic. Joseph worked for 44 years alongside Father Damien and Mother Marianne and her nuns with the leprosy patients on Kalupapa, this handkerchief-sized piece of land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Hansen's disease is the medical name for leprosy. When it came to the Hawaiian Islands, then a kingdom, King Kamehameha V banished all those with the disease to the isolated Kalopapa Peninsula on the north shore of the island of Molokai. The leprosy colonies operated from 1866 to 1969 and had a total of over 8,500 residents over the decades, including, by the way, the grandfather of Honolulu's current bishop, Larry Silva. At the time of Father Damien, a priest of the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, people sick with leprosy were exiled to Kalopapa. It was that exile of so many human beings who needed the hand not only of a doctor, but of another human being to comfort them in their dreadful living conditions, both physical and spiritual, that prompted Father Damien to go to Kalopapa in 1873. He served there until his death in 1889. Damien was joined by Mother Marianne Cope and six sisters from her order, the Sisters of St. Francis of Syracuse, in 1883. She lived and worked there until her death in 1918. We see the words heroic virtues literally come to life in St. Damien and Marianne. More than 8,000 people, mostly Hawaiians, have died at Kalopapa. Kalopapa is now home to just a few remaining residents who are now cured but were forced to live their lives in isolation. In October 2017, I spoke at the first annual Saints Damien and Marianne Catholic Conference at the Honolulu Convention Center. The conference focused on Hawaii's two saints, on their heroic virtues, but also on human rights, because that is really what Damien and Marianne fought for over so many decades the rights of people who had been ostracized by society and forced to live in totally undignified circumstances. I was asked to speak on becoming a saint. What qualifies a person as a saint? How can we become a saint? When we think of sainthood and heroic virtues, we think, well, this is mission impossible, not something I can achieve. And yet, this is what we are all called to do. And this is what the conference hoped to achieve, to inspire each of us in our way, with whatever gifts God gave us, in whatever circumstances he placed us, to aim high, to look at sanctity as something eminently achievable. Did Marianne and Damien think like Mother Teresa? I know God won't give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. Now for a second time that year, in a pilgrimage group traveling with Bishop Larry Silva, I returned to Kalapapa, a place that for me, and for many, is a shrine. Flying to Kalopapa, that was home to two saints and possibly a third, is a unique experience. The flight with Makanikai Air from Honolulu to Kalopapa is a magnificent trip of about 25 minutes in a very small plane that lands at a very, very small airport, about the size of a two-car garage. 
pilots who travel between the islands often perform many functions. They unload and offload luggage, check passengers in, and ask important questions like, how much do you weigh? They check out the plane before takeoff and, when necessary, refuel it. Kalopapa Airport, in fact, is the local water cooler, where citizens and workers will gather for a bit of gossip and news. One of the first sights I saw as we entered town was the shore where the annual barge arrives, bringing durable goods to the island, usually in July. The majesty of the cliffs, some of the highest in the world, rising well over 2,000 feet above the Pacific Ocean, the color and sublime clarity of the water were truly marvels to behold. I'm sure that Damien and Marianne, notwithstanding the rigors of their work and the wretched state of their patients, shared my impression of the beauty of this land. For me, the peninsula of Kalopapa is God's creation at its loveliest. I've always felt that Kalopapa was how the earth might have looked on the first day of creation. My guide on my second trip to Kalopapa and Kalawao, where so many of the exiled patients landed in the 19th century, was Meli Watanuki, who had been at Kalopapa since early 1969, the same year that the government lifted the restrictions that banned victims of leprosy to forced exile on Kalopapa. A cure had been found by this time, but life on Kalopapa was the only life that patients knew. The government eventually compensated the forced exile by giving patients free homes for life, medical care for life, and guaranteed three meals a day. Melly told me that when she came, there were about 200 people in the settlement. Of American Samoan origin, she said that patients included Samoans, Hawaiians, Chinese, Japanese, and Filipinos. Melly no longer has Hansen's disease and, in fact, was one of eight former patients who went to Rome in October 2012 for Marianne Cope's canonization. Now, let's talk about Hawaii's third possible saint, Joseph Dutton. In June 2015, the Diocese of Honolulu took the first official step on the long and complex road to the possible canonization of an American layman and Civil War veteran who spent half of his life serving leprosy patients in Kalopapa, Molokai, working side by side with the settlement's two saints, Damien DeVoyster and Marianne Cope. On June 23, 2015, Bishop Larry Silva approved the statues of the Joseph Dutton Guild, identified in church terms as, quote, a private association of the faithful with juridic personality and the mission of spreading knowledge of and devotion to Ira, Brother Joseph Dutton, as well as addressing the financial and logistical needs for his cause for sainthood. The Guild evolved from and replaces the less formal Joseph Dutton Committee, which the bishop had convened a few years earlier, with people interested in promoting the Dutton cause. With my interest in and passion for the story of Joseph Dutton, I was asked to be a member of that Guild. I now attend one of the four annual meetings in person and the other three gatherings via conference call. Now, here in short form, is Joseph Dutton's story. Ira Barnes Dutton, better known as Joseph Dutton or Brother Dutton, was born in Stowe, Vermont on April 27, 1843. His father, Ezra Dutton, was a farmer who also worked as a cobbler. His mother, Abigail Barnes, was a schoolteacher. The family moved to Janesville, Wisconsin in 1847. At the age of six, Ira started doing odd jobs around James Southern's bookstore, where he mastered the art of bookbinding and learned a little about printing. He received most of his early education from his mother and did not enter school until the age of 12. 
Later, he attended Milton Academy and Milton College. Ira was interested in things military, and he became a member of the Janesville Zouave Corps. With the onset of the Civil War, the cadets of the Janesville Zouave Corps were enrolled as Company B of the Volunteer Regiment, which later became known as the 13th Wisconsin Volunteer Infantry. Dutton was soon appointed regimental quartermaster sergeant, later promoted to lieutenant, and ultimately captain. The regiment, however, never engaged in any major Civil War battles. After the war, Dutton remained in service as a quartermaster's agent on cemetery construction duty. Now, this involved disinterring bodies from scattered graves and reinterring them in national cemeteries. Dutton was married in 1866, but the marriage soon failed. His wife was unfaithful and extravagant and left him in 1867. They were not legally divorced until 1881. Dutton spoke very little of his marriage in the following decades. Then began a period in Dutton's life that he later referred to as, quote, the degenerate decade. He said he had been a moderate drinker before and during the war, but during this time, quote, the drinking, chiefly of whiskey, was fierce and reckless, even up to July 1876, end of quote. At that time, he became, quote, strictly an abstainer after estimating he drank 15 barrels of whiskey over the course of 15 years. In 1868, Dutton worked with a friend whose business was a distillery. After two years there, he went to Memphis, where he lived and worked for 14 years. Six years with a railroad company, and then eight with the War Department as a special agent investigating claims and other business. Around 1881-1882, Dutton determined that he wanted to do penance and make atonement for his, quote, wild years. After studying the Catholic faith, he decided that embracing the faith would best enable him to lead a penitential life. He was received into the Catholic Church of St. Peter's at Memphis on April 27, 1883, his 40th birthday, where he took the name of Joseph. Soon after, he entered the Trappist Monastery at Gethsemane, Kentucky, where he stayed for 20 months, devoted to a life of hard work and silence. However, he realized that the best way for him to do penance was not through a life of contemplation, but through a life of action. He left the monastery with the blessing of the abbot and sought out other religious orders. Joseph first learned about Father Damien and the Kalopapa settlement while attending a conference in New Orleans with the Redemptorist Order from St. Louis. There, he read the account The Lepers of Molokai, a small work by Charles Warren Stoddard, a professor at the University of Notre Dame who had visited Damien and Kalopapa in 1884. Immediately inspired, Dutton traveled to Notre Dame and consulted with Stoddard as to the feasibility of joining Damien in his work. Receiving encouragement, Dutton left for San Francisco and he sailed to Honolulu, where he met with the Catholic bishop and the government's president of the Board of Health. Receiving approval from both, Dutton went to Molokai, where he arrived on July 29, 1886. Father Damien had been diagnosed with leprosy the year before. Now, more than ever, he needed an assistant to help him carry out his work after he was gone. Dutton threw himself into the work. Damien later wrote, The courage of my dear brother Joseph Ira B. Dutton appears to respond very well to the special calling for which our blessed Lord has chosen him. He takes a special interest in all that concerns the altars and sacristies of our churches. He also acts as our druggist, and he's a truly good confrere to me. 
Soon, Dutton became an expert in caring for the patient's medical needs. The settlement physician wrote, quote, For many months after his arrival, his daily routine from daybreak to dark was cleansing and dressing the sores, ulcers, and other skin troubles, removing carious and necrosed bone, all of the things that leprosy afflicts on mankind. He was methodical and accurate in his work and quick to learn the rudiments of medicine and surgery. Father Damien had established homes for the orphan boys and girls in Kalawau near his church and home. In 1888, the girls were moved to a new home in Kalopapa under the direction of Mother Marianne and the Franciscan sisters. Father Damien died in 1889, and then much of Dutton's work was taking care of the boys. In 1895, H.P. Baldwin, a Maui sugar planter, donated the money to establish a large multi-building boys' home on a campus across the road from Damien's Church of St. Philomena. Dutton was put in charge of this Baldwin home for boys, where he labored for the next 35 years. Dutton supervised the Baldwin home and a staff of usually four brothers from the Sacred Hearts congregation. Joseph continued to work at sore dressing, but with the arrival of the brothers, he was free to take on other activities. Interest in the settlement continued, and Dutton became a prolific correspondent. It is said that his address book contained over 4,000 names, and bags of mail delivered to him sometimes weighed over 50 pounds. Dutton became celebrated and revered. He corresponded with Presidents Warren G. Harding and von Roosevelt, and he had the attention of such writers as Jack London and Robert Louis Stevenson. Perhaps most notably, in 1908, President Theodore Roosevelt directed the Great White Fleet of 16 battleships, then on a voyage around the world, to divert from its course to sail past Molokai and honor Brother Dutton. In 1893, Dutton had left the Kalawo side of the settlement for the first time since his arrival on the peninsula to travel the two miles to the Kalopapa side to attend to the shipping to Louvain of Father Damien's effects. Returning to Kalawao, he never again left the grounds of Baldwin Home or the church across the street until 1930, when he again went to Kalopapa for eye surgery. By 1930, Dutton was 87 years old. He had become feeble, nearly blind, and nearly deaf. On July 4, 1930, two of the brothers took him to Honolulu, where he spent his remaining days at St. Francis Hospital. He died there on March 26, 1931, just one month short of his 88th birthday. His body was returned to Kalawal, where he was buried near Father Damien. I've discovered evidence that Joseph Dutton was a Third Order Franciscan, apparently suggested to him by St. Marianne. The Guild is studying this aspect of his life as well, of course, as his potential heroic virtues. Although being a penitent, Dutton frequently expressed how happy he was in his life of service at Kalawao. He commonly signed off his letters with, Joyfully Yours. And that's how I want to sign off today on this special, Joyfully Yours. For more information, go to www.josephdutton.org. Mahalo. Thank you. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.